Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In today's show, we cover the five biggest news stories from the world of Formula One, which this week are Aston Martin signs another champion, F1 in Colombia moves a step closer, fans get a little too close for comfort in Mexico, drivers aren't warming up to tyre changes, and there's plenty of FT news, but who's getting their chance in a Mercedes? Welcome to News from the Nerds, the midweek news show brought to you by the Formula Nerds. Every Wednesday we update you on everything you need to know from the world of F1. We are the Formula Nerds news team. Make sure you keep up to date with all the latest news by visiting our website at formulanerds.com. I'm James McKenzie and today I'm joined by three fellow nerds. Sam's off this week, but I do have Abby. How was your Halloween, Abby, after we uh, finished the race review, that is? It was good, thank you. I watched some horror movies, so... It was enjoyable. How was your Halloween? Nice. That's, that's fitting. I didn't watch any horror movies, but it was all right. It was all right. Thanks. Catherine, how about you? I didn't go out this year for Halloween. I guess I'm already prepared for Christmas. I just want the new year now. Okay. Is that because you think Ferrari going to win? Maybe we'll get onto that later. Uh, James, <laughs> how about you? How is it going? I'm pretty good. Thanks. We can see how are you doing. The other question I have for Ravi, though, is what, what Halloween movie did you watch? Because I did the same thing. I watched the first Scream and then I watched the second Scream, which I actually need to finish tonight. Nice. Uh, what was it? I watched uh, Halloween, the original, eight very seventies. Well, spooky season is over, but the F1 season isn't quite yet. So first we have some news about a driver move. He's a world champion. He was born in Belgium. Okay, no, Max isn't going anywhere. Don't worry, Red Bull fans. But who is Catherine? 
So another driver leaves the Mercedes system this time, and it is the Formula E champion Stoffel Van Dorn. Aston Martin announced this morning that the team had signed on the former McLaren driver as a reserve and test driver, and he'll now partner up with F2 champion Felipe Drugovic to perform tests and simulations in Silverstone in the team factory. That means that now this might edge Daniel Ricciardo further close to, Mer- to the Mercedes seat, the reserve one, and Nico Hulkenberg might also be joining us. And I guess I'll start off with my view on this one. Well, of course, it's a great signing for Aston. I think it's, you know, showing the way forward for them. They are combining young talent and experience. They have a great F1 champion in Fernando Alonso, who's driving for them next year. Now they have a former F1 driver, a Formula E champion, and a driver who will be driving alongside another Formula E champion, Jean-Eric Verne, with the Espenska next season. And it just shows you that Stoffel is a sort of progressive driver, in my opinion. He's 30 years old, and I think he's making good success, and he's helping teams to move forward and push to their limits. And of course, I think it'll be he'll be a really good mentor to Felipe Drugovic, though. However, I cannot see why Haas are going with Hulkenberg. I am particularly not a fan of the decision. And I understand that Mick was not the best option for them. But I also think that they should have maybe invested in like another young driver. Maybe even try with Drugovic, for example. I think that for Van Dorn going to Aston Martin, it's just a testament to the project and the faith that that team has in the progress that they can make. They've said that they have this secret project. They want to become a race winning team and a championship winning team and having Alonso drive for them and then having Dragovic and Van Dorn as the tester and serve drivers, I think is really interesting. I think next season they will definitely improve a lot. And like you said, Catherine, with Van Dorn's experience in that, he can certainly help Dragovic learn a lot more about F1 and the cars and everything that's entailed with that. For Hulkenberg going to Haas, he has experience, but he hasn't been in an F1 seat for a full season in many years. I think it's, I'm not really sure why Haas would go down that route, especially since they've now got Magnussen staying with them. I think going for a younger talent is the better option. With Mick, yes, this is his second season. 2023 would be his third, but the cars have all changed. The regulations have changed this season. So technically, He's only had one year levelling against Magnussen in the same car. So I think whilst he has had some difficulties throughout 2022, he's obviously spun a lot and has cost them a fair amount with the cost cap and that. I think he might be the best option for them. It just seems like they're really scared of having a rookie. I don't know if they're, they've got PTSD from having Mazepin last year. I don't know, but... Yeah, it seems like they, I guess they had Grosjean and Magnussen for quite a long time. Maybe he was happy with the, or happier with the dynamic at that point than he is now. I don't know. It just seems like they're looking for an excuse to get rid of Mick, which is not popular amongst, I think, fans as as a whole. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how it works out. I mean, I think Hulk's not the worst personality to get back on the grid, but yeah, I, I do agree with a fair few of your points. Mick's cost has quite a lot of money, and there's no, I think there's no getting away from that either. And he has improved. Mick has always been a, a, a late bloomer, if you like, in his career. It takes a while for the Schumacher genes to kick in, uh, as, as we've seen in the lower formulas. But with Formula One, it's been, as you know, you have to perform immediately, or you have to get out of the seat. And I think he, he has had a, he has had a, a, a good crack at it, but patience in Formula One is low. 
And I don't think uh, that uh, him leaving is necessarily a bad thing for his career, which I know sounds like a very bizarre thing to say, but I think it will probably help him get the, the drive he needs to hopefully come back in a, in a couple of seasons time. Hulkenberg, me and Sam quite strongly disagree on this. Um, I am of the opinion that Hulkenberg might be a good fit for Haas after all. I think that he brings the necessary experience. I think that's what, to your point, James, that's what they're after. They're after solid experience between both drivers. Uh, and from an Aston Martin perspective, I think they're playing the long game. They are going so long game. I think that they're, they're not looking for maybe three or four or five years. I know Stroll's got a desire to get things done in the next two to three. But I think with the addition of Stoffel van Dorn, uh, with Felipe Drogovic and the investment in the facilities doubling down now, I think he's looking more like five to six because I think this year may have set them back just a little bit. So we've got a little bit uh, off topic from what the the official headline of this first piece of news was, which was uh, obviously that Stoffel van Dorn is joining Aston Martin. Now, do we think that's going to be a, a big benefit for them? He's worked with Fernando before at McLaren, obviously. Uh, do you think that will help them and and of course that does mean there's a reserve drive slot open at mercedes with danny rick's name on maybe danny rick is going to take that mercedes seat there's no getting away from that that that, that is his i think now uh stopper van dorn is a very different driver now to the one that left f1 in 2018 so it's going to be interesting to see how he works with fernando fernando did trounce him but he wasn't really on top of the car so I think he'll bring a lot to Aston Martin, genuinely. I think it's going to be a really, really strong partnership for Aston to, to have, knowing that they have that history and, they can, and, they, and they've can and they worked with each other's data before. Fernando, as we know, isn't the most open of drivers when it comes to sharing information. But I think if, uh, if he's a reserve driver, it'll be a lot easier for him. Um, and as for Danny Rick, I think it's we're just a question of days of announcing it now. I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm hoping that he gets announced soon. It's sad that he's going for a test driver role, but uh, I think that's the best place for him for now. With Stoffel, I also do wonder because, well, lately these years he has been showing that he's really good, especially after joining Formula E. He had a really good stint there and I believe that he's going to keep doing great things. And we don't know how long Fernando Alonso has in this sport. So is it that maybe the way forward that Aston Martin want is maybe get Stoffel in a test um, in a test driver position. And then maybe in the future, when Alonso makes way for someone else, maybe he'll join as a permanent driver for F1. I mean, we saw Nick DeVries join the grid, and I wouldn't be surf- surprised if maybe we see Stoffel once again. I mean, it's all speculation, but it would be exciting to see him, because I think becoming Formula E champion with just one win in a season... It was pretty impressive, and I think it gave him a good boost, too. Well, we'll see where Stoffel will be moving, but now we will see where F1 will be moving, because it might be going to Colombia. So Stefano Domenicali is making his way to Brazil very slowly, because first he had to stop at Barranquilla. I hope I said that right. I'm really sorry if I didn't. So it is the Colombian city on the Jamaican coast that might be hosting a Grand Prix very soon. The mayor of the city, Yame Pumarejo, which I hope I said that right too, said that there is nothing finalized yet. However, he's being very realistic in his words, because he is surely aware that deals can collapse at any second. The talks for Colombia hosting a Grand Prix are ongoing and they are showing a very positive sign that they might be hosting in 2024 or 2025. And the contract that they'll sign would at least last 10 years. 
They are proposing a semi-street circuit, and the mayor further explained that F1 were presented with two circuits, so they have Plan A and Plan B, which are both identified and approved, just in case one of them doesn't meet F1's or the FIA's views. Meanwhile, however, things are not looking good for South Africa and Kialami, as Albert Fabrega, an F1 journalist on Spanish Dazen, said that the rumor suggests that a 2024 South African Grand Prix option is very difficult to happen, but he suggested that there are very positive signs for Colombia. Now, I would like to see the Colombian, or as they will brand it, Caribbean Grand Prix. However, I thought that maybe going to South Africa would have been even better because you'll be spreading F1 across more continents. At the same time, you have to think of the sustainability part. And if they compete in Colombia, it might be a bit easier because they'll have, for example, USA, Mexico, Colombia and Brazil. And that way there would have less travel. So what do you guys think about that? You say that they'd probably go to Azerbaijan in between one, Bahrain in between that, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they even go to Asia first and then make their way back. You have to wonder, don't you, about the the, the sustainability of Formula One and that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, to be honest with you, Catherine, because I think South Africa would have been a far better option. It's got history. It's got the pedigree. There's a fan base already over there. Colombia obviously has produced one great driver already. We've already had one Pablo Montoya, uh, amongst others. But the, the, I don't think the, 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 I don't think the fan base is, is there enough to warrant a race there. And when I hear the word semi-street circuit, my heart just falls away because it's going to be another soulless track. <laughs> And, you know, you could put the Caribbean in front of it all you want. If it's on the island of, Bar- of Barbados, I will be on the first flight out to the race. Um, I'll very happily go to a Barbados Grand Prix, but it won't be. And that's something that Formula One, I think it's a good, I think it's a good style of uh, PR to call it the Caribbean race, but it is effectively a street track in Colombia. And that's just not going to be exciting in my book. Sorry to be a, a pessimist. <laughs> If Colombia did join the calendar, I think that would be the second South American Grand Prix since 1998, which obviously is great for the continent. But we've already got Brazil, which in my view is an excellent race. And like James said, I don't think Colombia will necessarily live up to those expectations that the Caribbean Grand Prix name would bring. South Africa, Lewis really wants a race there. I think so many people do. My only worry is that all these countries want to host these races and we're already at a 24 race calendar for next season. And if you add Colombia and then if South Africa does eventually work out, we're adding all these races and traveling and time and sustainability all comes into it. And I think it can get a bit much, but I'm interested to see whether Colombia do manage to seal their 10 year deal with F1. But who knows? It's interesting that you mention how many races they'll host, because of course the Concord Agreement says that till 2025, we can only have a maximum of 25 races. However, Domenicali did say that we will stick to 24. Now, thing is too, it's like with going to South Africa, of course, Lewis really wants it. He has a good organization in Mission 44 and he's trying to create more opportunities. Imagine if you go to a continent where, you know, you can help to create more diversity in motorsport. I mean, we went to, for example, Saudi Arabia and we saw Seb hosting a race for women, a, play, a country that, you know, women 
are still trying to develop and it has come very forward, but there is still more work to do. And maybe if we go to South Africa, more work can be done to have more people of color, for example, make it an F1 like Lewis did. So I think that would have been a better option because we heard of South American drivers that have been very successful in F1. And I think that, you know, they have more opportunities compared to other countries. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Now, whilst there wasn't much drama on track at the Mexico City Grand Prix, there was plenty off it. So in addition to cost-cap talk and Red Bull boycotting Sky, we also had some fairly unsavoury moments featuring overeager fans. Now, drivers were surrounded by fans across the weekend, with drivers and team personnel having to be effectively transferred between hospitality and their garages by a circle of security. Alpha Tauri reported unauthorised fans entering their garage uh, with Pierre Gasly saying, obviously we give time for the fans when we can, but this weekend I didn't dare come out of the hospitality because otherwise you got mobbed. And sometimes it gets quite hectic. In the melee on the grid, Lewis Hamilton was struck by a camera and you could see the cut on his head after the race. Lando Norris said, there's not as much respect for just personal space as there should be. They should feel lucky enough to be in the paddock and get to be as close as they are to us. So what do we think is the best approach here? Obviously, it's great to see fans getting up close to their heroes, but there's a line, isn't there? I agree. I mean, at the end of the day, these people are humans too. And it's just, there is like a line to be crossed. Like, if you just meet a driver, you're like, can I have your autograph? Can I have a picture with you? That's it. You move on. It's okay. But literally just going at them as if you've just seen Jesus in your living room. It's a bit too much, I'd assume. As the saying goes. <laughs> I saw it because I'm seeing lots of TikToks with it. So Okay. <laughs> but it's true. What Norris said about they're lucky to even be in the paddock, maybe I wouldn't really say that because I mean it's just there is nothing wrong, I guess, with giving the fans the opportunity to be maybe, you know, up close and personal in the paddock. They should have a way on how to behave. But if you behave right and, you know, just be respectful, I guess. I don't see what's wrong with it. I mean, you're getting what you paid for at the end of the day. Drivers should be granted personal space, though, for sure. Um, if you've got fans going into the garage that shouldn't be there, that's that's a health and safety problem, not to mention a potential subterfuge problem as well for, 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 for the teams. Um, to be honest, we haven't had this issue at any other race in terms of security like this, and I think... It seems to be something that was unique to Mexico, so hopefully that will be resolved in a couple of years. It just reminded me in a really bizarre way um, of a documentary I watched about You Only Live Twice, the James Bond film, years and years ago, 1960s. But it was Sean Connery's final film, and he was mobbed the second he landed in Japan. He couldn't go anywhere without being uh, just just being, just being mobbed and attacked, basically, by, by fans. And it's a very similar vibe, and it's 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 done with the best intentions of wanting to get close to your to your heroes, to someone who you really admire. But as you say, Catherine, they're human, and they need to be granted the ability to get to get to get on with their job. 
And if you've got drivers feeling the the urge to stay effectively locked down in hospitality because they don't dare leave, but then you've got drivers coming into the garage anyway, fans going, sorry, coming into the garage anyway, who shouldn't be there. I think Mexico needs to really look at security measures for next year, would be my view. See, Carlos Sciences that he loves having the fans around them and cheering that, but then he did say he is Latin, so he has a particular special bond with Mexico. But yeah, there is a line that people need to follow. You can't just attack the drivers and rush into their personal space and bombard them because they are human. They're there doing their job. And for me, F1 is this sophisticated sport in a way compared to others. Whenever I think of F1 and you're in the paddock, it seems more sophisticated because it is an elite motorsport. So everyone should just stay calm and respect everyone around them. And you certainly shouldn't be running into garages if you're not allowed, because that just has a whole load of issues itself. Yeah, it's crazy, really. I don't think we've seen that anywhere else. Like normally... Yeah, everyone rushes on after the race for the podium. And I think that's great. But in the build-up to the weekend, it's normally nothing like this. You know, we get cool things, you know, interaction with the crowd's great. We see that at Silverstone where they go on to the, the Hamilton Strait and they, you know, play cricket and stuff like that. They've done in the past years just in front of the crowd and you get that interaction, but they should be nowhere near the garages because it's, yeah, it's... It's a significant safety measure. You know, you think it would be so hard to get into the paddock, but seemingly not in Mexico. But run-ins with over-eager fans weren't the only thing drivers had to worry about this weekend. Right, James? Indeed. We've had tyre tests. Um, We've had Pirelli tyre tests for the last couple of rounds. So uh, in 2024, the plan is for Formula One to get rid of tyre blankets. So we won't have the mechanics crouching in front of the tyres anymore at the qualifying session. We won't have them... Uh, we won't have the tire blankets on the on the grid anymore in the, in the race on the build up to the race. It will just be the drivers uh, warming them up, and they'll be warmed to a certain temperature. So for, to facilitate this, they have done tests in the last two rounds in Austin and in Mexico City. The first round in Austin of testing, they lowered the track temperature, the tire temperature, sorry, to fifty degrees centigrade. This went didn't go down particularly well with Max Verstappen. He said, "quote We're going to have a lot of crashes." Uh, so for the next round. They, uh, the head of uh, Pirelli, sorry, Mario Asola, said that instead they would go back up to 70 degrees, but they would lower the amount of time in the blanket from three hours to two, which is better for sustainability, it's better for cost cutting. Uh, but Max Verstappen says that there still needs to be an issue found and tire blankets do still need to be removed. So, I mean, what, I mean, what, I mean, what are your guys' thoughts? I mean, I, I, for one, would love to see tyre blankets removed. I think it should be down to the drivers to warm up their tyres properly. They're paying enough money and they, they should be skilled enough to do it. Um, but what do we think uh, from a safety aspect as well about lowering the temperature? Because 50 degrees has now been deemed far too low. And based on the feedback, I can probably see why. <laughs> yeah, I I would like to see them deal without the tyre warmers. You know, there were enough decades in F1 without tyre warmers where they had to deal with it. I remember there's one... It's a clip of Gerhard Berger coming out of the pits. I want to say it's Spain, but uh, yeah, just basically putting it straight into the wall because he is, his tyres were cold and he, he yeah, lit up the rears. They're the best drivers in the world. And yes, it, it makes their life harder. I'm sure there are complications that will would arise if if and when that does become the, the situation. But I think it, it would introduce an interesting new dynamic to it. You know, it's going to totally remove the undercut for a start. Uh, it would become probably overcutting immediately, but 
Uh, yeah, I'd like to see it at least trialed. Yeah, I think it would provide a new challenge to the drivers. Like you guys have said, they are the best drivers in the world, so they should be able to do this. And I think it would spice up races like Mexico that didn't necessarily have that much on-track action if the drivers were forced to warm up the tyres themselves. 50 degrees, obviously, I think there's a unanimous vote that that is too low. I think doing what they did in Mexico, where it's only two hours, but 70 could be the right direction. But yeah, I think it would definitely be interesting. I think it's interesting. And like, as James said, maybe try to trial it. And even, for example, try to do it at the six sprint races that we have coming up next year. So that that way you wouldn't have a whole two hours for them to, do, to you know, sort of prepare for it. They'll only have 18 minutes. So if there is actually any damage done, at least it wouldn't be on the race day or it wouldn't affect the drivers and ruin their whole weekend. And also, I guess these teams have literally, like this year we had the complaints because we're going to have 18 inch tires. They're going to too big. They're going to be too big. The drivers won't be able to see how are they going to do pit stops. They still managed to do it in less than three seconds. I think I'm pretty sure that then they'll be, you know, they'll be able to figure out how to warm up the tires and things like that. So as you guys said, I don't think there's really much for me to add. I think it's just an, an unnecessary complication that they'd rather avoid, at least as long as they can. I mean, yeah, we I remember Turkey 2020 when with the, the bitumen in the surface of the track making things really complicated and everyone sliding about all over the place. It was great. It was so entertaining. We got like a mixed up grid and I think it was, yeah, it was brilliant personally. We got Seb on the podium too. Yeah. So our final piece of news today is about the feeder series. And Frederick Vesti, the F2 driver, who is also a Mercedes junior driver, is tipped to drive in the postseason Abu Dhabi tests for Mercedes, getting his first taste of an F1 car, as he hasn't been in FP1 this season yet. And he will also be doing the F2 Abu Dhabi postseason tests. But that is interesting because he has been linked to returning to Prima, which was his F3 and Frecker team. However, Dennis Hauger, who raced for Prima in F2 this year, he will still race in the championship, but not with Prima. He's leaving that team. And then for F2 and F3, today it was announced that both calendars have been confirmed. For F2, there are 14 rounds. And for F3, there are 10. And there are some new tracks on both calendars. Obviously, the feeder series are going to Melbourne. They're going to race in Australia for the first time. But F3 is also finally going to Monaco as well to race there. So very exciting news. I'm glad to see Vesti get his taste in an F1 car, see what he can do. And I'm waiting to see what team he will be racing for in F2. I think Prima could be an interesting one, but then it leaves the question of where will Hauga go, whether he'll take Drogovic's place at MP now that there's an empty seat there. And Melbourne and Monte Carlo joining the F3 calendar and then Melbourne for F2. I love Australia. I think F1 do great races there. So I'm very excited to see both feeder series also joining the tracks. Are you guys excited to see them finally race in Melbourne and then F3 in Monaco? It's the F3 in Monaco that really is exciting me because that has the potential to be total chaos, depending on who's on the grid next year. Uh, it's also going to be a real test for those drivers to see. It's going to separate the men from the boys. Who's going to go to F2? Who's going to get to F1? And I, it, it, I think that's a brilliant, brilliant thing. Fantastic. And in terms of Dennis Hauger, I, I, I'm genuinely curious as well where he's going to end up as well. And I think Frederick Vesti being in an F1 car is long overdue. 
I don't know. I, I don't know what team where where he'll end up because he's he's a bit of an in between driver, especially for me. He hasn't quite got it yet, but there's definitely enough speed for him to warrant a, a drive in Formula One as a test driver. But he's not on anyone's radar, so hopefully this is the year that he changes that. Yeah, as James said, it's really exciting to see F3 going to Monaco. And I guess it's really good for the drivers too, because Monaco is such an iconic race that it starts, you know, giving them a more special feeling into motorsport and maybe eventually into getting into F1. And also with Melbourne, I feel like Melbourne has now become such an iconic, well, not iconic, but it has become like a very popular race. It gives good racing too. And I guess it would make the race weekend better with F2 and F3 too. We'll have more build up and it'll be good for the people there to get to watch the too. And to, well, we have some talents coming up from Australia, like Oscar. So yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I think it, it looks like a pretty exciting calendar overall. And yeah, I'm just glad to see F2 back in a well, a normal schedule as it has been this year after last year's confusion and chaos. Yeah, and well, that's all we had for today. But before we leave, um, we are very sad to hear that the Formula E security manager, Ian Trevor, who was very popular among the Formula E paddock, has passed away. So we would like to send our deepest condolences to his family, friends and anyone who was close to him. Yeah, of course, totally echo that. Thanks, Catherine. But yes, as Catherine said, that is all we've got time for today. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to head over to FormulaNerds.com and all the Formula Nerds socials to find out the latest on those and any other stories, as well as features, quizzes and anything else a motorsport nerd could want. And then go and check out the Cut to the Race podcast, where this weekend we, of course, reviewed the Mexico City Grand Prix and played some more games designed to break Sam's brain. Well worth a listen. We'll be back this coming weekend with something a bit different. But until then, Abby, James, Catherine, thanks for joining me. Always a pleasure. Never Never. a chore. Uh, See, I like to throw it to all three of you at the same time to see who's going (laughs) to... You nearly had it. That's so close. Come back next week for some more. Thank you. (laughs) We'll go with that. You're listening to the Cut to the Race podcast. It's lights out and away we go. Podcast Network.